Emma, Volume 1, Part 2. Each of these podcasts will cover about three chapters of the novel. In Chapter 4 of Volume 1, we are introduced to Harriet Smith's character, manners, and education. The chapter opens with the statement, Harriet Smith's intimacy at Hartfield was soon a settled thing. In the second paragraph, we read that Harriet certainly was not clever, but she had a sweet, docile, grateful disposition, was totally free from conceit, and only desiring to be guided by anyone she looked up to, end quote. And of course, we know that she is going to look up to Emma because Emma is so much above her in social standing. For Emma's part, Harriet Smith is a different kind of friend from Mrs. Weston. Austin says, Such a friend as Mrs. Weston was out of the question. Two such could never be granted. Two such she did not want. It was quite a different sort of thing, a sentiment distinct and independent. Mrs. Weston was the object of a regard which had its basis in gratitude and esteem. Harriet would be loved as one to whom she could be useful. For Mrs. Weston, there was nothing to be done. For Harriet, everything. Her first attempts at usefulness were in an endeavor to find out who were the parents, but Harriet could not tell. She was ready to tell everything in her power, but on this subject questions were vain. Emma was obliged to fancy what she liked, but she could never believe that in the same situation she should not have discovered the truth. Harriet had no penetration. She had been satisfied to hear and believe just what Mrs. Goddard chose to tell her and looked no farther, end of quote. So this tells us that for Emma, the relationship with Harriet is quite different from the one she had with Mrs. Weston. They are less equals. Emma sees Harriet as someone whom she can help. She does observe that Harriet often speaks of Mr. Martin, a young tenant farmer on Mr. Knightley's estate. Emma begins to ask Harriet questions about Mr. Martin, and in this conversation we learn a bit about Mr. Martin's tastes in reading as well as Harriet's. It begins with Emma asking Mr. Martin a question. Mr. Martin, I suppose, is not a man of information beyond the line of his own business. He does not read. Oh, yes, that is, no, I do not know, but I believe he has read a good deal, but not what you would think anything of. He reads the agricultural reports and some other books that lay in one of the window seats, but he reads all of them to himself. But some think times of an evening... Before we went to cards, he would read something aloud out of the elegant extracts, very entertaining. And I know he has read The Vicar of Wakefield. He never read The Romance of the Forest nor The Children of the Abbey. He had never heard of such books before I mentioned them, but he is determined to get them now as soon as ever he can, end quote. This tells us about Mr. Martin's reading. The agricultural reports would be books about the then fairly new scientific management of farming. The Elegant Extracts was a popular anthology of poetry. And The Vicar of Wakefield is a novel by Oliver Goldsmith from the 18th century, a somewhat sentimental novel. Harry goes on to say, He never read The Romance of the Forest nor The Children of the Abbey. 
He had never heard of such books before I mentioned them, but he is determined to get them now as soon as ever he can. Harriet Smith's tastes in reading go to The Romance of the Forest, a gothic romance by Anne Radcliffe. The Children of the Abbey by Regina Maria Roche is another gothic and sentimental popular novel. So Harriet's reading tastes tend toward the popular gothic and sentimental popular novels. Emma and Harriet then discuss Mr. Martin's appearance. Emma gives a reply that is somewhat difficult for us to understand because of the condescension she displays. She says, A young farmer, whether on horseback or on foot, is the very last sort of person to raise my curiosity. The yeomanry are precisely the order of people with whom I feel I can have nothing to do. A degree or two lower, an accreditable appearance might interest me. I might hope to be useful to their families in some way or other. But a farmer can need none of my help and is, therefore, in one sense, as much above my notice as in every other he is below it. The word yeomanry refers to the small independent farmers. Emma is telling us here that because of the way that social class is viewed at the time, she cannot really have anything to do with the Martins. He is below her social circle, so she can't socialize with him. If he were actually lower, she might be able to show him acts of charity, and we do see in the novel that she sometimes helps the poor families who are somewhat dependent on her. But because Mr. Martin is not low enough to actually need her, he is more or less beneath her notice. We are also told that Mr. Martin is about 24, and the two women discuss whether that is too young to settle or not. Very importantly, Emma begins to raise her friend's expectations by telling Harriet, The misfortune of your birth ought to make you particularly careful as to your associates. There can be no doubt of your being a gentleman's daughter, and you must support your claim to that station by everything within your own power, or there will be plenty of people who would take pleasure in degrading you. In other words, Emma is beginning to encourage Harriet to set her sights above Mr. Martin, even though Harriet is illegitimate, which puts her pretty far down the social hierarchy. The two women soon have an opportunity to meet Mr. Robert Martin, whom they chance to pass by one day, and Emma sizes him up. His appearance was very neat, and he looked like a sensible young man, but his person had no other advantage, and when he came to be contrasted with gentlemen, she thought he must lose all the ground he had gained in Harriet's inclination. Harriet is at first excited to have met Mr. Martin, but then Emma begins to subtly talk him down. When Harriet asks for Emma's opinion, she says, He is very plain, undoubtedly, remarkably plain, but that is nothing compared with his entire want of gentility. I had no right to expect much, and I did not expect much, but I had no idea that he could be so very clownish so totally without air, I had imagined him, I confess, a degree or two nearer gentility. To be sure, said Harriet in a mortified voice, he is not so genteel as real gentlemen. 
Harriet then begins to contrast Mr. Martin to Mr. Knightley and sees Mr. Martin as falling short, but Emma clearly sees Mr. Knightley as too far above Harriet's station, so she replies, Mr. Knightley's air is so remarkably good that it is not fair to compare Mr. Martin with him. You might not see one in a hundred with gentlemen so plainly written as in Mr. Knightley. But he is not the only gentleman you have been lately used to. What say you to Mr. Weston and Mr. Elton? Compare Mr. Martin with either of them. Compare their manner of carrying themselves, of walking, of speaking, of being silent. You must see the difference. So Emma subtly turns Harriet's mind against Mr. Martin in this chapter and fixes on the vicar, Mr. Elton, as a worthy suitor for Harriet. Chapter 5 is a rare chapter with Emma not present. The chapter consists of a conversation between Mr. Knightley and Mrs. Weston, one of se several chapters that we might call debate chapters. A number of critics have looked at the structure of Emma and pointed out that there is a certain rhythm to the novel, in which there are periodic debates between various characters, and there are also periodic social gatherings in which the community, or some part of it, comes together. This is the first of these debate chapters. Mr. K and Mrs. W are discussing this new friendship between Emma and Harriet, and Mr. Knightley says, I do not know what your opinion may be, Mrs. Weston, of this great intimacy between Emma and Harriet Smith, but I think it is a bad thing. Mrs. Weston replies, A bad thing? Do you really think it is a bad thing? Why so? And he answers, I think they will neither of them do the other any good. Mrs. Weston says, How very differently we feel. Not think they will do each other any good? This will certainly be the beginning of one of our quarrels about Emma, Mr. Knightley. This tells us that Mrs. Weston and Mr. Knightley have disagreed before on the subject of Emma. Mr. Knightley goes on with a little speech that gives us some insight into Emma's character after Mrs. Weston argues that Emma's efforts to help Harriet become better informed will lead to Emma's reading more herself. He replies, Emma has been meaning to read more ever since she was 12 years old. I have seen a great many lists of her drawing up at various times of books that she meant to read regularly through, and very good lists they were, very well chosen and very neatly arranged, sometimes alphabetically and sometimes by some other rule. The list she drew up when only 14 I remember thinking it did her judgment so much credit that I preserved it some time. And I dare say she may have made out a very good list now, but I have done with expecting any course of steady reading from Emma. She will never submit to anything requiring industry and patience and a subjection of the fancy to the understanding." End quote. So we learn here that Emma is very good at making lists of goals, but not very good at following through on them. Mr. Knightley goes on to remind Mrs. Weston that Emma is spoiled by being the cleverest of the family. He says, At ten years old, she had the misfortune of being able to answer questions which puzzled her sister at seventeen. 
She was always quick and assured, Isabella slow and diffident, and ever since she was 12, Emma has been the mistress of the house and of you all. So Emma is quite bright, but she lacks a certain stick to I suppose. The crux of Mr. Knightley's concern about the friendship between Emma and Miss Smith is that he thinks it will not do any Emma any good because, quote, I think her the very worst sort of companion that Emma could possibly have. She knows nothing herself and looks upon Emma as knowing everything. She is a flatterer in all her ways and so much the worse because undesigned. Her ignorance is hourly flattery. How can Emma imagine she has anything to learn herself while Harriet is presenting such a delightful inferiority? And as for Harriet, I will venture to say that she cannot gain by the acquaintance. Hartfield will only put her out of conceit with all the other places she belongs to. She will grow just refined enough to be uncomfortable with those among whom birth and circumstances have placed her home, end quote. In other words, she is not good for Emma because she will flatter Emma, and Emma has already had too much of that. She is already spoiled. And he believes that Emma, in turn, won't be very good for Harriet because she will raise her hopes and make her unhappy with her situation. And in fact, we see that this has already begun to happen. Mrs. Weston doesn't share these sentiments. She has a much more positive view of the relationship and thinks Mr. Knightley is being unfairly critical of Emma. In Chapter 6, we learn about the vicar, Mr. Elton, and where his possible interests lie. He begins by complimenting Emma on her friendship with Harriet Smith. You have given Miss Smith all that she required. You have made her graceful and easy. She was a beautiful creature when she came to you, but in my opinion, the attractions you have added are infinitely superior to what she received from nature. In this chapter, we see that Emma believes that Mr. Elton is interested in Harriet, and this fuels her desire to play matchmaker and get the two of them married. In fact, as we see, and Emma very definitely does not see, that Mr. Elton is much more interested in Emma than in Harriet. He praises Harriet because he praises the improvement that Emma has brought to her friend. Harriet is more or less the product of Emma's efforts, and by praising the product, what Mr. Elton is really doing is praising Emma herself. He goes on to say, so much superadded decision of character. Skillful has been the hand. Translation, your hand has been very skillful. This only serves to fuel Emma's determination that Mr. Elton is falling in love with Harriet, and this will lead to some disastrous consequences. Emma decides that she is going to paint Harriet's portrait. She gets out her portfolio with her various attempts at portraits, and we find out in this passage that Emma has begun a lot of portraits that she has not finished. This is a pattern of Emma's. She doesn't finish things, which is a point that Mr. Knightley made in his debate with Mrs. Weston in the previous chapter. Quote, she played and sang, 
and drew in almost every style, but steadiness had always been wanting, and in nothing had she approached the degree of excellence which she would have been glad to command, and ought not to have failed of. There was merit in every drawing, in the least finished perhaps the most, her style was spirited, and so on. Those are the words of the narrator. But as we see, Emma cannot finish things. Emma shares her desire to paint Harriet's portrait with Mr. Relton, who is very struck with the idea. He is happy to watch as Harriet sits for Emma. Emma decides to throw in a little improvement to her to the figure to give a little more height and considerably more elegance. She had great confidence of its being in every way a pretty drawing at last. In other words, Emma decides to enhance Harriet in the portrait to make her more attractive. And when the portrait is unveiled, quote, Everybody who saw it was pleased, but Mr. Elton was in continual raptures and defended it through every criticism. Miss Woodhouse has given her friend the only beauty she wanted, observed Mrs. Weston to him, not in the least suspecting that she was addressing a lover. The expression of the eye is most correct, but Miss Smith has not those eyebrows and eyelashes. It is the fault of her face that she has them not. Do you think so? replied he. I cannot agree with you. It appears to me a most perfect resemblance in every feature. I never saw such a likeness in my life. We must allow for the effect of shade, you know. You have made her too tall, Emma, said Mr. Knightley. Emma knew that she had, but would not own it. And Mr. Elton warmly added, Oh, no, certainly not too tall, not in the least too tall. Consider she is sitting down, and so on. But what is clear to us, but not to Emma, is that Mr. Elton's praise is for the artist, not the subject. As a result, when they decide that the portrait should be framed, Mr. Elton is only too glad to undertake the commission of taking it to London to have it custom framed. What a precious deposit, said he with a tender sigh as he received it. This man is almost too gallant to be in love thought Emma. But of course, what she doesn't realize is that he sees this as a favor to do for Emma, not because he has any interest in the subject of the portrait, Harriet Smith herself. <laughs>